I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. At Luke 22, I want to read the Word of the Lord as I've given it to you this morning and ask if you would consider the Word of God at Luke 22 that has to do with the last night that Jesus was with his apostles in the upper room. Beginning at verse 31, I provided it for you from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. Simon, Simon, look, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, he told him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. (laughs) I tell you, Peter, Jesus said, the rooster will not crow today until you three times, until you deny three times that you know me. Hear it again. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Peter, Simon, Simon, look. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I pray that your faith may not fail. And when you have been converted or turned back, strengthen your brothers. We'll stop there. It helps us to understand something in this warfare about the target. When we talk about weapons. The question is, why is there a target or why are we targeted? What is the goal and the desire of Satan and how can it be overcome? Now, there are several things that we need to understand at the outset. And first of all, there are two worlds that inhabit this earth, the visible and the invisible. There's the visible kingdom or the natural kingdom, and the invisible kingdom, or the supernatural kingdom. Because of sin, the only one that we can see as human beings is the natural kingdom. But there's another kingdom on this earth. This other kingdom, although we cannot see it, those who live in it can see us. Angels live in that kingdom. Demons live in that kingdom. God lives in that kingdom. And so even in this room, as we've gathered here today, there's more than just our presence in this room. The Bible teaches that we all have angels assigned to us, so they are here also. The word of the Lord teaches that when there's a worship service, that the angels are present in the worship. So the word of God says in Hebrews 13 and 2, to us, be not forgetful to entertain visitors or strangers to your worship, for thereby some people have entertained angels unaware. So there are angels in this room, but they're in another realm. So we have the natural and then we have the supernatural. That's important. It's also important for us to understand that Jesus is Lord in both realms. 
He is Lord in the natural kingdom, and he is also Lord in the spiritual kingdom. That Jesus Christ came to the earth, he is God in the flesh, and therefore he has authority in both kingdoms. While you're thinking about that, I should say Satan has authority in only one kingdom, and that is in the unseen realm. Satan has no authority for you as a child of God in the natural kingdom. You saw God in the form of Jesus become a person incarnate and live on the earth. You've never seen the devil do that. There's not one verse of scripture in the Bible where it says the devil was born as a baby and grew up to be a man or a woman. You've never seen the devil walking about as a human being. He cannot do that. The only way the devil can have any sway in this kingdom is he has to do it through human beings. He has no legal authority to live here. That's why you have the authority to cast demons out of people. And you don't have to be filled with the Spirit of God to do that. Jesus said to the Pharisees, if I cast out the devil by Beelzebub that you've accused me of, by whom then do your sons cast them out? And the Pharisees were not even saved, let alone anointed. Because human beings have authority in this world, on this earth. If God wants to do something on this earth, he uses people to do it. If Satan wants to do something on the earth, he has to use people to do it. He cannot do it by himself. Now, that's important for you to understand that God is sovereign. He doesn't need strategy. Satan has strategy because he is not sovereign. God is sovereign, meaning he can do whatever he wants to do. He can do it whenever he wants to and however he wants to, what you say, sovereign. But, the, but understand, Satan is not sovereign. He is not nearly sovereign. He is a trespasser. He is an intruder. He comes against us in the natural by using other people to come against us. You said, but evil is a force. The devil can have his way in these cities. Well, if he could do that, we wouldn't be having church today. He would have killed every one of us. He would have torn this building down overnight. He would interrupt the service while I'm preaching now. He does not have that type of authority. Some people get it twisted. And they seem to think that the devil has almost as much power as God does. That's not true. The devil is a created being. He, too, has to serve the will of God. He cannot override God. He cannot override the child of God. He cannot override the church. He was defeated at the cross. And because of that, please understand that God is sovereign. Satan has strategy. Now, God doesn't need strategy because he's sovereign, which means that God doesn't have to work up to getting anything done. He can do it as he pleases. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. I say God is sovereign. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to God. 
All the silver and all the gold belong to God. The Bible said that God said, all souls are mine. Satan has no property on this earth. Satan has no titles on this earth. He has no rights to anything. He has no deeds on this earth. He has no deeds in your life. And understand that because of that, Satan is an intruder. With him being an intruder, the Bible calls him by many names. Matthew 13, 19, he's called the wicked one. John 10, 10, Jesus calls him a thief. Well, why is he a thief? Because he is always about stealing or taking your authority as a child of God, your rights as a child of God, and your prosperity as a child of God. Satan's main goal is to steal your privilege and to steal, are you listening, your understanding of who you are and whose you are. He wants you to curse God. He wants you to speak evil of the goodness of God. He wants you to speak evil of the word of God. He wants you to turn your back on God and he wants you to declare yourself as your own God. He's a red dragon, Revelation 12 and 3. Revelation 12 and 9, he's called Satan. And then there is Revelation 12, 10 that calls him the accuser of the brethren. And he too was created by God. But turning on God, now his chief objective is to get us to turn on God. He wants us to turn away from our faith. He wants us to turn away from our prayer life. He wants us to turn away from the authority of the scripture. But are you listening? He's a trespasser. He has no legal rights in your life. No legal rights in your neighborhood, no legal rights in your city, and no legal rights on the earth. He's a trespasser. He's a trespasser. And being a trespasser, he does all he can to destroy what God loves. Now, Satan is one being in one place. Would you say that? He is what? One being where? In. He is not everywhere at the same time. He has demons. He has imps or princes, the Bible calls them, and they are assigned to carry out certain things around the earth, and then they report back to him. He has meetings with them where they report what's going on in the earth, and through those meetings, he releases his evil influence all around. Now, in the scripture that I read to you, Jesus and the apostles or the disciples are in the upper room and this is the last meal. This is the last supper. He's about to institute the Lord's Supper. In the morning, he will go to the cross and die for all of our sins. And in that meeting, he is calling the meeting to order by talking to them about themselves. Because God wants every one of us to know ourselves. Because you really can't know God well until you know yourself. Unless you know who you are, it's going to be difficult for you to understand who God is and the power of God in your life. I cannot hide from myself and go deep in the Lord. But people try that all the time. People always try to ignore who they are so that they can get a deeper walk with God. But God deals with me not as I think I am, but as who I really am. 
Oh, I can tell myself that I don't do a lot of things that I do on a daily basis and convince myself that I'm a far better person than I really am. But once I do that, I rob God of the opportunity to fix me and help me to become better. If I'm one of these people that's always boasting about my righteousness, my goodness, my good heart, how kind and loving and wonderful I am, and how everybody loves me, I'm deceiving myself. The Bible said if any man, if any man goes around saying he has no sin, he deceives himself. The truth is I must be honest with me about me. I wish I had somebody. I must understand my shortcomings. I must understand my weaknesses. I must understand who I am and what areas in my life where I need God to change my life. Once I admit who I am, that, that's what the Bible means when it talks about repentance. It means that I thought on my ways, I considered who I am, what my weaknesses are, and now I receive God's power to make me better in those areas. Well, how many know that we all need to change? From the platform to the back wall, I said we all need to change. From the microphones to the clock on the wall, we all need to change. From the double doors on this side to the exit door on that side, I said we all need to change. There's not a one of us in this house that is good enough, righteous enough, wonderful enough, loving enough, merciful enough, kind enough, sweet enough, fine enough, awesome enough, great enough to stand before God. I know you want to pat yourself on the back and I know that you want to think that there's something so wonderful about you that others wish they could be you, but I got news for you. The truth is you're a legend in your own mind. We're just not that great. I wish I had a witness here. There is some good in the worst of us. And there is some bad in the best of us. But at the end of the day, we have to admit we're not all of that. That was Peter's problem, the subject of this scripture. You remember Peter in the Bible. Peter was stuck on himself. Have you ever known anybody stuck on themselves? Have you ever had a best friend? I wish I had some. Have you ever had a coworker? You ever had a cousin, a sister, an auntie? You ever had a stepdad, an uncle stuck on themselves? Well, Peter was stuck on himself. You know, Peter was always the spokesman in the group. He was always the one that, you know, would, that, that brought wisdom to the situation. So he thought. And this night before they go to the cross, Jesus said to him, looking eyeball to eyeball. How would you like to look eyeball to eyeball with Jesus? I don't think I want that. Some people grumble and complain about preachers being ordinary men and human. That's the kind of pastor you want. How would you like for Jesus to be your pastor? And he knows what thought just went through your mind. He knows what you dreamed last night. I wish I had a witness. He knows where you went last night and how long you stayed. He knows where you were Friday night. He knows every detail about every word you said. Last time you cussed, he knew. I wish I had a witness. Last time you gossiped, that text message you sent silently, that you sent it to somebody so nobody else would know in the room what you were thinking, he read it. I don't think I want to hear Jesus preach. 
I don't think I want to be in his church because he can read every thought of my mind. And they're sitting at the table, and Brother Peter, the baller and the shot caller, Brother Peter, the, the, the big man at the table, Big Daddy, Brother Peter, I like it when you call me Big Papa. Sitting at the table. And Jesus looks at him and said, Simon, Simon, the devil desires to have you. Now, I gave it to you from the New American Standard Version because it really breaks it down. I need you to notice this. It, the text I gave you said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. The Amplified Bible said he's asked permission for you. Now, there are two worlds, the visible and the invisible, the natural and the supernatural. Satan is a trespasser in the natural realm. But for some reason, God still allows him to file applications against certain people. Let me try that again. How many of you remember the story of Job in the Old Testament? Now, Satan has no authority, but the Bible said in a meeting that God was having in the invisible realm, the sons of God, the angels, and apparently demons also were in that meeting. And the Bible said that he saw Satan in the meeting and said, make your report. Where have you been? And he said, I've been going up and down in the earth looking for somebody to jack up. And God said, Mr. Taylor, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said, oh yeah, I saw him, but the benefit package you got him on, he'd be a waste of my time. Did you know that the devil comes by your house checking you out to see if he can mess up your life? I wish I had a witness. Somebody in this room, you let him in. He messed up your life. That's what drove you to church. Did you know that the devil looks at your life and calculates whether you're a waste of time or not? I wish I could find somebody that would understand that the devil doesn't want to waste his time any more than you want to waste yours. And there are certain things that he is not going to offer to certain people because you've already taken authority in that area. Let me keep it simple. Church attendance. He never comes by my house trying to tempt me to not go to church. You know why? Because I made up my mind when I was a child, Sunday is the Lord's day. I wish I had a witness. He knows he would be a way, it would be a waste of his time to come against me with something like that. But there are some in this room. Because you still wrestle with Sunday morning sometime. I don't have a witness. Because come on now, maybe you like going out on Saturday night. You didn't get in till 3:55 this morning. Or, 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 maybe you worked six days last week, 12-hour shifts, 
Man, when you woke up this morning, that, that your joints weren't even working right. I don't have a witness. Or then sometimes your cousin flies in from up north on Sunday. And you didn't tell your cousin, uh-uh, don't set your ticket for when I'm at church. You can come in in the afternoon, but Sunday morning, I'm in the house of prayer. No, she's coming in right around 10, 15. <sighs> I got to go get my cousin. See, my cousin come in at 10, 15. They got to catch Uber. Because my spiritual life is important to me. And I can't survive if I miss a meal. I wish I had a witness here. You see, we're so concerned about our physical life, making sure I work out, making sure I eat right, making sure I watch what the health and I declare what I ain't going to eat and what I am going to eat so I'll be healthy when we got a strong body but a weak soul. So what's your area? Now we all have them, right? Where it's not a waste of his time. I'm trying to keep it a little funny right in here without going down a certain list, but I'll tell you what. When the devil comes after you, he's pretty sure he can get you because he studied you. That's what we mean when we talk about familiar spirits. Familiar spirits are demonic presences that studied your life and they pretty well know who you are. That's why when you go to a psychic or you call a psychic or you go to a handwriting, a, a palm in the hand or somebody that works in necromancy or witchcraft, that's why they can tell you secrets that only you and your grandmother knew or only you and your dead mother knew when you talked about because the, the witch is a medium. Medium means that they operate halfway in the natural realm and the other half in the supernatural realm. Halfway in the visible and halfway in the invisible. And when you go to her house and, and she's got the hand in the yard and she says, you know, you had a fight with your mama 10 years ago before she died and y'all fought over thus and so, you're like, oh, how did you know? Because the familiar demonic presence that's been studying your life whispers in that psychic's ear. I wish I could find some help. Not only do they whisper in that psychic's ear, but they are in a strong covenant relationship with that medium. So much to the point that they can tell you just enough on that phone call to get you through the free period. And get you down where you got to pay some money. Well, you understand that there are two worlds. And Simon, Simon, in Simon's mind, he was strong. Everybody say, I'm strong in my mind. Yeah, but that ain't good enough. Mind control ain't good enough. Willpower, that's not enough. Positive thinking. That's not enough. Those are things that can aid us and help us through the day. 
but we need more than that to live a victorious life. I'm not just trying to make it through Sunday. I'm trying to get all the way to heaven. So yeah, I got a positive mind and willpower to get me through the night. But I need something that's going to get me through the rest of my life. And he wanted Peter. Now I'm almost through, but I need to ask, why Peter? He already had one. He had Judas. We talked about him the other week. Why does he want Peter? Three things, I believe. Number one, the calling on his life. Would you say the calling? There's a calling on Peter. You know, Peter is not ordinary. Peter is the guy that speaks up a lot. He's the guy with the strongest opinion. In other words, Carver, he's the guy with the biggest mouth. And the devil always wants the one with the biggest mouth. Satan doesn't want a quiet person that will sit back and not say anything. He wants somebody that's going to take the meeting over. He wants somebody that's going to call you and give you advice when you never ask them their opinion. He wants somebody that's going to intrude into your decisions, into your family, into your judgments because they've got a big mouth. I don't mean to harm, but not for real. If you got a big mouth, you might ought to check yourself. Because the devil wants the loudest one amongst us. The devil wants the boldest one amongst us. The devil wants the one that ain't scared of nobody. That will just speak their peace. Whatever come up comes out. Peter had a calling on his life to be a preacher. Anybody that's called to preach, Minister Bracey, whether they've ever accepted the Lord or not, they still are good at speaking. You know that? Every good used car salesman is probably an evangelist, but they don't know it. They can sell you a car you don't even want. They can talk you into stuff on that car and add more stuff to it you can't even afford. Now, what if that same person was selling Jesus that way? So everybody that's got a good salesmanship anointing is probably anointed to evangelize. Well, there's a calling on his life. And Satan wants to mess up your calling. And he does that two ways. He either pushes you too fast or holds you back so you move too slow. The timing of God is important. Some people have heard from God, but they didn't wait until it ripened. They said, well, God, call me. What should I do? Hold it until you can't hold it any longer. So, but no, I know he called me. I need to get up and go now. No, it's not time yet. How do you know? Because you're holding it pretty good. If it is the call of God on your life, there's going to come a day when you can't hold it anymore. You won't be able to sleep. You won't be able to eat. You won't be able to rest. That calling will be right in your face at all times. But as long as you can hold it, hold it. Let it ripen inside of you. Let it mature inside of you. You can pull a piece of fruit too soon. I wish I had a witness here. You got to wait until that peach is ripe. I wish I had some help. You got to wait until that fruit is ripe because you're about to mess up a good piece of fruit because as long as it's not ripe, it's not edible. Well, the calling. But here's the second thing, the character of his leadership. 
The calling. Would you say the calling? Come on. Would you say the character? See, Peter had influence. And the devil wants people with influence. The devil wants the person who is the one that people will listen to and follow their suggestions. The devil wants the one that is charismatic in their appeal. They, they, they've got gravitas. The devil wants the one that they will stand up and talk and people will pay attention even if what they're saying doesn't make a lot of sense. And that was Peter. You remember Peter, right? Peter was the one when Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? They said, some say, you're, some say that you're John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ of God. The devil wants that. So few verses later, Jesus said, I've got to go to the cross. And the same Peter said, be it far from you. You'll never have to die. And Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, is he calling Peter Satan? No, it's the spirit that used Peter. See, sometimes people think they're giving you advice. You got to recognize the devil can be using their mouth. And you got to be careful not to do just what somebody said because of who they are. You've got to weigh the advice that they gave you. I wish I had somebody. Sometimes we follow people because we think if they said it, it must be right. But the truth is that the devil can use an influential person to destroy others if those people who are listening to him don't weigh out his advice. Be careful who speaks into your life. Be careful who speaks into your business. Be careful who tries to advise you along the way because the devil can use them. And we need to know this. Everybody who disagrees with us is not our enemy. But everybody who is friendly with us is not supporting us in everything. And sometimes we get mad with the person when we need to be angry with the spirit in the person. It's the spirit that's using that person that caused us to have that problem. It's the spirit that used that person that influenced us along the wrong way. So the calling, say the calling please. The character, say the character. And then thirdly, the quality of his commitment. Have you checked out Peter? Peter was ride or die. Man, Peter was ride or die. Peter, Peter had commitment. John chapter 6, the Bible said everybody had left Jesus but a handful of people. He had thousands of people following him. He fed them in the wilderness from two fish and five loaves of bread. And the Bible said after he fed them, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, the Bible said a few days later they wanted him to do that again. Must have been some of us out there. We found a good meal wagon, meals on wheels, do it again. You fed us free. We didn't have to pay for that. Do it again. We like following Jesus. Why? You get free food. Do it again. I wish I had some help here. Do it again. And they said, do it again. And Jesus looked at them. The Bible said, if you want to be with me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible said they thought he had become some type of fellow with a cannibalistic nature. You're going to eat human flesh. And the Bible said they all walked away. 
Oh, you have to wonder, why do some folk follow the Lord? Why do some people come to church? Why do some people do what's right? Because it's right to do or because you're looking for the benefits attached to it? I don't have a witness. I wish I could find somebody that understood. We don't serve the Lord for what we can get. We're not believers because of the benefit plan. We're believers and we serve him because we love him. And when you love somebody, you will serve and help them because it's the right thing to do. I don't have a witness. But when, listen, if you love your family, you provide for your family. You don't expect your children to provide for you next week because you fed them this week. What you do expect them to do is contribute to the household. If I feed you, clean up your room. I'm feeding you, make up your bed. I'm feeding you, take the garbage out. I'm feeding you, clean out the car. I want you to understand the mutuality of our relationship. But I'm not feeding you at 12 years old so next week you can feed me. Listen, Peter was dedicated. Say dedicated. Even the devil doesn't want an undedicated person. Man, are you dedicated? Does the Lord, does the Lord see your dedication? You're a believer, you're a Christian, you're a praying person, you're doing the work of God, you're, you're carrying the torch, you're doing what you ought to do. Guess what? There's a target on your back. The devil doesn't want a coward. The devil doesn't want an uncommitted person. The devil doesn't want an influential person. And the devil don't want a quiet person. I wish I had a witness. What the devil is looking for is somebody to represent him and to bring his will into the realms where people are serving the Lord. That's why you have to pray for preachers more than ever before. Because the truth is preachers are under attack because they do have big mouths. I wish I had some help. They do, they do have influence. People do watch what they do. When I go to the grocery store, I see people looking in my buggy trying to see what I'm buying, whether I'm buying steaks or six-packs. I wish I had some help now. I do see people trying to see what I'm talking about, who I'm talking to, what I'm texting. I do see that because that's influence. And rather than the church gossip and run preachers down because they got overwhelmed or caught in a fault, we need to be praying for these preachers. We need to call their names out. If your cousin is a preacher, your brother is a preacher, your sister is a preacher, your auntie is a preacher, they ought to be regularly called out in your prayer life because the devil is looking for people with influence. He wants somebody with a calling, somebody with character, and somebody with quality. I don't know. They, said, they, they say that the Marines are looking for a few good men. Well, that's what the devil is looking for, a few good men. Would you admit with me today he's gotten too many of our men? Sisters, can y'all admit that with me? Too many of our men are in prison. I wish I had a witness. Too many of our men have been have lost their life. Too many of our too many of our men. Too many sisters are having to raise boys without a man in their life. And, and sisters are to be commended because they're pulling double duty. 
They're the real heroes in our society that can have to be a mother and then do the best they can of a fatherly influence over those kids. But even the sister will tell you that a sister can't be a father. I don't have a witness here. Because at some point, that boy's got to learn how to shave, and she ain't shaving. He wants to know how to tie a necktie. She ain't wearing no necktie. There are things that she needs to talk to him about, but she doesn't know how a man would talk to him about it. There are things he needs to hear, but he really needs to hear it from a male perspective. And she will do all that she can to raise him right. But even she will admit, I wish there was a man that could speak into his life, snatch him when he gets mannish. Correct him when he needs correcting. I wish I had some help here. And turn that boy into a man. Because the only material God has to make a man out of is a boy. Satan has gotten so many of our men. I said so many of our men. He's gotten so many. And he did it with strategy, didn't he? He infiltrated those drugs in our community. We didn't have the money to fly those drugs up here from Columbia. I don't have a witness here. He, he brought crack in, but we couldn't afford cocaine. He brought that. I wish I had a little help. He brought that in our community. He saturated our community with weed from California and Mexico and all these other places. And now we've got states all over the United States where it's about legal to do any kind of weed you want to do. Let it mess with your mind. It doesn't matter because, listen, it was always targeted against us. Oh, I don't have enough people here. That remember that when we first start seeing these things manifest, it was in our community. And too many of our families got destroyed because of drug traffic. Because we wanted to alter our mental state. Already ain't got no money. I don't have a witness here. Already had no education. And then we're going to smoke it up and get ourselves so high. Until we don't know whether it's Wednesday or Saturday. Why? Because he wants the black man. See, when black men get involved, things change. Oh, I don't have any help here. I said, when black men get involved, the NFL changes. Major League Baseball changes. The NBA changes. I wish I had some help. Politics change. When black men get involved, things happen because we are the most gifted men in the world. I would, listen, listen. I don't want to talk about Robert E. Lee, but I do want to talk about these brothers here because it's important for us to recognize Robert E. Lee's statue and every other statue that's raised up in ignorance and arrogance needs to be brought down. But while you're bringing that down, lift my brother up. Because bringing the statue down without my brother going up ain't going to change my community. I need some brothers to remember what God has done in us. 
Nobody is smart like we are. Nobody is strong like we are. Nobody's got the swivel in his hips when he walks. Nobody has the swag. Nobody looks as good with a bald head as a black man. And everywhere I go, I see people with iteration. I'm not against that at all. I'm not against it at all. But I do want to say, sisters, don't throw us away. Keep praying for us. Keep believing in us. Keep, don't just throw us away. Because what happened to us ain't completely our fault. We, there was a strategy to get us out of the home. There was a strategy to get us out of the neighborhood. There was a strategy to get us out of the school system. There was a strategy to get us out. The devil did it with calculation. I know you want me to leave that alone. But Satan wants Simon. He's already got Judas. But he wants Simon. He wants the guy that can make a difference. Come on now. The reason Black Lives Matter doesn't get any more ground traction than it does is because, and I don't know what can happen tomorrow, just let me talk about what has happened, is because civil rights was always led by men and women of God. You go back to slavery. How did we get out? Men and women of God meeting in the AME church. Harriet Tugman, Sojourner Truth, praying people that depended on God's protection to get those slaves from the south up into Canada. I wish I had some help. A hundred years later in the civil rights movement, those were preachers on the front line. That was Martin Luther King Jr. and Ralph Abernathy and, and that was Adam Clayton Powell. And although he wasn't a Christian preacher, that was Malcolm X on the front line. And there were preachers, there were men of religious conviction, men that believed in God. There were women that stood there. I wish I had some help. Rosa Parks was a woman who believed in God, a praying woman. The whole thing orchestrated in Montgomery was developed in churches. The whole boycott meetings for over a year was held every Sunday night in churches. I know black lives matter, but black lives need to remember it's Jesus that brought us over. It's Jesus that sees us through. It's Jesus that opened doors when they've been closed in our face. It's Jesus who is on the side of the poor and the rejected and the disinherited and the uneducated. When I ain't got nothing else, I got Jesus. I may not have no money, but I got Jesus. I may not get to work where the other race works, but I got Jesus. I may have to wash clothes for 50 cents a day and iron for white folk, but I still got Jesus. Now, I don't mean no harm, but I just need to say what I'm saying. Yes, black lives do matter. Amen. And black folk need to remember it was God that brought us over. It was God that brought us through. It was God that brought us out. Yeah. 
Yes, sir, Satan wants you. Black man, he's looking for you. And black woman, I know he wants you because you're raising these children. You're raising up the next generation. You, those children depend on you for back-to-school clothes. Sometimes you do all you can, and then they still get on your nerve asking for stuff you can't afford. But you hang on in there anyhow. I wish I had a witness. Yes, the devil wants you because if he can get you, he can get that little boy. He can get that little girl. If he can get you, he can destroy our neighborhoods. I'm through. I got to let you go. I'll give you the rest of the outline later. But listen, you know what Jesus said? You know what Jesus' plan is? He said, Satan has asked for you, but I prayed for you. I said, Jesus is praying for you. You know, I know you asked me for prayer, but what you really need to know is Jesus is praying for you. I know you want the prayers of the church. That's all right. But I tell you what's better. Jesus is praying for you. The Bible said he's making intercession for us. Well, what is he praying? He said, I'm praying that your faith won't fail. Come a little closer. He said, I'm praying that your faith. Church would just say faith. See, he didn't say he didn't say, I'm praying that you won't fail. He said, I'm praying that your faith won't fail. He said, why? Because can I tell you the truth and you won't get mad with me? I fail all the time. And don't look at me in that tone of voice. You do too. You don't keep your word every time you give it. I don't have a witness here. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You don't tell the truth every time you open your mouth. I don't have any help around here. Listen, the truth is we fail all the time. Sometimes my decisions about things I need to do and take care of in my life are stupid. Are you bold enough to call your own decisions stupid? Honey, I got a pile of stupid ideas. Stuff I never should have got into to begin with. I wish I had some folk around here that got in the Amway and you shouldn't have been in there. Got in the Melaleuca, you shouldn't have been in that. Got to selling Tahitian Noni juice, you shouldn't have sold that. Got to selling prepaid legal, you shouldn't have sold that. I wish I had somebody sold Mary Kay, you shouldn't have sold that. Somebody that started off in college and dropped out, that was a bad decision. Somebody that went to college and got a degree in the wrong field. Well, that was a bad decision. The truth is you fail all the time. I wish I had somebody here that's been married and now divorced or married and divorced and married and divorced. I wish I had a witness. I wish I had somebody around here that will admit I have failed. But listen, listen. There's hope for you when you fail. But it ain't no hope for you if your faith fails. I, I wish I had my cry. When I fail, I've got God who can put me back together again. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had 
a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again, but the king's son can do it. The king's son can put you back together again. The potter wants to put you back together again. If you failed in college, if you failed in your marriage, if you failed in your finances, if you failed on your job, Jesus can put you back together again. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. But here's one thing I want you to know. If your faith fails, even the Lord can't help you. Text somebody, tell them, listen, neighbor, you may lose your money. I, I don't hear you. Tell them, you might lose your money, but keep your faith. Uh-uh, I don't hear y'all. Say, neighbor, you might lose your job, but keep your faith. Slap them upside the head. Say, neighbor, you might lose your family, but keep your faith. Because if you got faith, you can get another job. If you got faith, you can get some more money. If you got faith, you can get another family. If you got faith, whatever you lose, God is going to restore it more than what you had. The Bible said that Job lost all he had, but he kept his faith. He lost his money, but he kept his faith. He lost his children, but he kept his faith. He lost his wife's support, but he kept his faith. He said, in all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. The Bible said that Job said he knows the way that I'm taking. And when he's through with me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Well, at the end of it all, God doubled his money. God doubled his family. God doubled his enterprises. God gave him back double everything he lost because he kept his faith. Faith is your shield. Faith is your protector. Don't lose your faith. If you're in the unemployment line, praise the Lord. If you're sitting in the hospital and they don't know what's wrong with you, just start praising the Lord. If you check your bank account and the account is overdrawn, start praising the Lord and God will. Oh, 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 Sire, won't he take care of you? Sire, 
provide for you. Say Satan wants Simon. Satan wants Sherman. Satan wants Carver. But you know what? He can't have us. Because we already spoken for. Why don't you raise your right hand with me? Tell the devil, say, devil, I'm already spoken for. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my keeper. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my savior. Oh! Won't he do it? Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Look at me. Look at me. Do you see it? Look at me. Do you see it? Do you see it? I got some, I got a tattoo on me. Do you see it? You know, I saw somebody had a tattoo of their mama on their arm. Hmm. Somebody else put a tattoo of their lover on their body. Now they got a new lover and a crisis. Somebody got a tattoo of a rose. Somebody else got a tattoo of a heart with an arrow. I got a tattoo on my soul. I know you can't see it, but I want to tell you what it says. I am a child of God. I've got Jesus' name on my soul. I am a child of God. I want to tell you what it says. It says I'm more than a conqueror. It says I am born again. I am redeemed. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm the righteousness of God. It said the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know what my tattoo say on this side. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I want the devil to know. Yes. And if anybody asks you who I am, who I am, who I am, tell them I'm a child of God. Clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, 
clap your hands. If you happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. Oh, oh I'm looking for some praises. Just go on, go on. Just let go and let God is what the children said. Let it go. 